You're listening to A Light at the Other Side, where we're sharing stories of resilience, healing, and hope. We share the experiences of adoptees, domestic violence survivors, military veterans, and more, so some episodes may contain potentially triggering accounts of trauma. To fully appreciate the light, we must sometimes peer into the dark. Last week, I had a little bit of technical difficulties. I recorded quite a few episodes, and when I got home, I had lost all the audio files. So we'll call last week a bye week. This week's episode is on a topic that's in a lot of our headlines, and that is the unfortunate and untimely death of Nex Benedict, a non-binary teenager who was assaulted in their high school bathroom and who passed away the next morning. Just another dead kid when it's clear that Americans really just don't care. I've walked around heavy today. As soon as I read the news, my stomach lurched and I almost vomited. A mother's worst nightmare, an inexplicable tragedy, a clear result of years of propaganda and brainwashing. Another dead kid. I began my scroll of my daily headlines and there it was. Oklahoma non-binary teen died after school fight amid, amid reported bullying. My heart plummeted, and I clicked the headline to read how Nex Benedict, 16, was assaulted in their high school bathroom by three older students, received a head injury, and 24 hours later was dead. What happened in those hours? What happened in that bathroom? To make it worse, the school is opting to call a clear assault, three or more on one, a fight, implying the victim had some involvement in the violence aside from merely fighting back or defending themselves, and next was suspended immediately following the incident. In case you haven't experienced life in a public school recently, a victim of a violent assault also being suspended for the slightest bit of self-defense seems to be extraordinarily common. Many students are afraid to fight back or defend themselves as they would be subject to the same disciplinary measures as their attackers. This seems particularly common when the victim is LGBTQ. The articles all differ slightly, the details blur, But the overall consensus is this. This non-binary teenager was assaulted in a violent altercation involving multiple students in the bathroom of their high school in a conservative region and is now dead. We can put the pieces together. The media, the school district's PR team, conservative groups, all these entities with their own agendas can attempt to spin this in all directions, but we know. We know. I immediately felt waves of empathetic grief for this kid's family. It's astounding how a mother's heart can hurt for a child she never met. I've had tears held just at bay for most of the day today. A few times they've seeped out when I blink and I see their face in my mind. I see my daughter's trans boyfriend who's been a part of our family for almost three years now. I see my son's last boyfriend. I see my son. I see my child in that face, in their style, their hair, their eyes. A kid who has already struggled mightily to pin down their own identity, who has fought upstream in what sounds like a pretty unsupportive area, politically speaking, and who was forced to use a bathroom based on a rule set down by men down at the state house, and perhaps not the bathroom that next would have found the most appropriate or the most safe. I can imagine their thoughts as they entered the bathroom and saw the older students, ones with whom they'd almost certainly already experienced negative encounters. I can't imagine what happened next. 
Teenagers didn't behave like animals in the restroom at my public high school when I was in 10th grade. No one got assaulted so badly in the school bathroom that they had to be hospitalized back in 1998, at least not where I'm from. But this seems to be an increasingly routine event in our nation's public high schools, and it has seeped out to the most rural of schools like my alma mater. These kids are becoming killers before they can even vote. The vitriol that has seeped down from the adults in their lives, unfiltered and crude and raw, has poisoned these children's minds and made them hard and cruel and ruthless. What is happening? The heavy sadness swings wildly with thoughts of pure rage as I do a mental inventory of the violent incidents just in our local public school district and realize how easily this could have happened here. In fact, we did have a local transgender student assaulted in the bathroom of her public school here in Norfolk, Virginia, and was taken to the hospital with a neck injury and severe concussion. Her mother has withdrawn her from school and has an active pending lawsuit against the school district. Just like next, the bullying didn't begin in that bathroom. Bullies had been harassing this local students for, this student for months, and the school administration chose inaction. My son was repeatedly assaulted at our local high school in the same school system, and his school administration also chose inaction. We finally made the decision to withdraw him as well, and he is doing high school from behind a computer screen. To say there is a level of constant anger, I've had rage on a simmer pot for a couple of years now. No one should be treated the way these kids are treated. And that's what they are, kids. Kids are dying. Matthew Shepard was killed 26 years ago, tied out on a fence post for the world to see his torturous demise. Now LGBT youth are meeting their aggressors in the steel and tile and brick of their school bathrooms as the adults charged with their safety and well-being look the other way and pretend to ignore the hate crimes bleeding through their fingers. My heart is breaking. My heart breaks not only because of the loss of yet another beautiful life, but because of my inability to change it. <clears throat> my helplessness in the face of such enormous, overwhelming darkness. I send emails and letters, I write opinion pieces, I speak on local news, I speak at local school boards. I am but a gnat buzzing about the ear of the machine. The darkness put forth by self-serving politicians who don't care one whit about children and prove it nearly daily, the darkness that pours over these people, these Midwestern, middle-class, midlife people, it sinks in, oozes down deep in their bones. It changes the way they think and the way they speak, and then it spreads on. When they speak, their children are listening. When they say queers and pedophiles in the same breath, when they talk about men walking into women's restrooms as a reason for bathroom bills, their children, they hear them, and they are sponges, and all of that darkness, all of that hateful, false, political narrative, it drips down, down, down into these children's souls, and they become monsters. They become hateful, rage-filled murderers, and then they kill our children for simply having the courage to live their truth. This mother's heart can't take it. I feel so helpless. I feel so broken. This one hit hard. It felt too close this time. That face looked too familiar. My heart just can't take it. For this episode, I have a special guest. I'm trying my first interview, and my very first interviewee will be my son, Matthew. 
part of the reason I asked him to come on the podcast was that a lot of these stories are about him and his voice deserves to be heard along with my narrative. And this is all very fresh in the news. There's been quite a bit of news about violence against trans kids and this isn't anything new to Matthew. If you've read my writing, you've read about his experiences at school and in the community. So with no further ado, <laughs> this is my son, Matthew. Introduce Hi. yourself. I'm Matthew. I'm 17, going on 18. My pronouns are he, they. I've been out for five years, almost six, but I've been out as trans for like four and a half. So pretty long time. So how did the news of Next Benedict's death make you feel? I hate to say it like this because I feel like it's a little messed up to say, but when it gets to the point where it's this common, at a certain point you almost become desensitized to it, like how the average person gets desensitized to shooting news, so they hear 50 people shot and they're like, oh, well, last week it was 100, so at the least it wasn't that bad. But 50 lives like 50 people so at first I was just kind of like dang not again shoot that sucks but the more and more that I think about these people and how close they are to me in age and the fact that next was 13 right 16 16 I that's my brother's age that's that's me a couple of months ago that's it's so crazy to think about people like so close in age. I have friends who are 16. My best friend is going to be 16 soon. Like, them not being alive anymore at such a young age is so wild to me. So it's just shocking, basically. And then the upsetness obviously sets in where that could have been me, like, easily, because I've been in situations like that. So, so it's just... along those lines, as much as you're comfortable can you share some of your experiences in public school after you were out and socially transitioned? Well, so ninth grade was the first year I was ever in public school after I had transitioned, basically. And in general, I'd like to think that I'm a somewhat masculine-looking person. I'm not too bad on passing, but I had some experiences with staff that were pretty annoying. Like, in the beginning of the year, I wrote note cards to all my teachers that said, I know that my attendant says this name, but I go by Matthew, and my pronouns are he, they. And the amount of teachers that would literally just put it face down on their desk in front of me and not even look at it, so then I would have to go up to them and be like, hey, I know my attendant says this, and I know there were a lot of people at that school who were like me who just couldn't do that because they weren't comfortable or they were scared or it was new to them. And so that was just kind of upsetting to see, was just the lack of caring. And then there was the students. That was a whole other issue. Like, there was the kid who punched me in algebra class for essentially no reason. And that same kid actually did at one point harass me in a bathroom. Um, I was in the men's bathroom and he came up to me and started asking me a bunch of random questions, which is kind of what they do is they just start asking you questions. Like it's innocent, like, oh, I'm just asking questions. You can't get mad at that. Like I was wearing a Slipknot shirt 
And he was like, why are you wearing that shirt? Are you like a Satanist? I was just like, I don't care. And every time that I would try to leave, basically, they would just start standing in front of me. And it got to the point where I had to put my hands on them and move them out of the way. And I'm a very substantial person. I'm definitely not small. I'm six feet tall, very big. So I'm very lucky that if I were to ever get into a situation like that, it would I wouldn't go down easy. Like I would be able to defend myself more and I've definitely been in situations where I've needed to defend myself more. But there was the a assistant principal who essentially told me after I came to him about my sexual assault to just understand because this is new to everybody which is a wild thing to say it was just it was a lot of me being expected to educate people about my gender while trying to get an education that was kind of crazy was just like focus on your schoolwork but also educate all of our staff and faculty so that they don't make the mistakes that seem to upset you when that type of education should just exist or these people should just know because I was not by any means the only trans student there or the first trans student there. There were plenty of people before me and there were plenty of people while I was there. And Do you feel like those other students felt like they could be out fully? Like tell their teachers to call them by a certain name? And No. Most of them it was just like, I mean I knew a lot of them, like we had our own little community and a lot of them would ask me why I did it or how I did it because it was just a lot of like, there was not a support system at home to support the ability to stand up for themselves at school. And so they would tell me... So you're saying their parents weren't accepting, so they didn't have that courage to fall back on. Yeah, basically. Because they were basically told at home that they were just making it up or that they were just delusional, so they just didn't feel like it was something that they needed to argue about or fight over. So what... Could you describe your sense of safety while in the school building? It was like constant fight or flight. It was like genuinely I needed to get out of there like all of the time. It was just constant anxiety, especially there was an incident where somebody that would like, we got very close at the beginning of the school year and I guess that they had thought that I was cisgender because we got really close and we were really good friends like he would say I'm like you're my best friend like you're you're the only person at the school I like and then one day something came into conversation where I had mentioned that I am in fact trans and he like got mad that I hadn't told him that before and then got my school Chromebook which has my legal name on it and started like showing it to people and being like don't let him lie to you this is this is her actual name they're delusional and he was saying I was delusional I was disgusting I was stupid and me being me wanted to fight him but I obviously didn't because you can't really do that when you're a minority you don't really get that right because then you're the problem because you can't just take it and you can't just handle it so I just took it and handled it and walked away and It was basically just swept under the rug, and everybody was just like, well, that is your real name, 
so why are you upset? So what was the general response when you would go to adults at your school that were supposed to be, um, who were you, you were supposed to go to in situations like that? The administrators, teachers, staff, were there any that were more supportive than others? Um, what was your overall experience going to the adults in your school? There was definitely a handful of adults who had a guise of supportiveness, like they would act supportive to a certain extent, but they wouldn't actually do what's necessary or go the extra mile. Like, there were a few adults who would be like, oh my god, that's terrible. Anyways, go back to class. It was just like, we don't care and we're not going to do anything about it. And then there were adults that seemed almost scared of me because they didn't know what kind of transgender I was. So they didn't know if I would be the type that would start like protests or riots or walkouts and that's too much paperwork. So they would just try and like soothe me like like a baby. They would just be like, it's okay, let's take some deep breaths. Here's a little stress ball. And again, we're not gonna do any actual thing that's necessary. It was just, it kind of just felt like a lot of them were just, they didn't care. And they just wanted to get me out of their face as quickly as possible. So they'll just say the right buzzwords, like ally, support. Right, we but there stand. wasn't action behind it. But there was no actual, yeah, action. Like they didn't actually do anything that was helpful to me at all in any way. So what's your sense of safety when you're out in the community, when you're out, um, like you work, you have a part-time job, so what's your sense of safety when you're just out in the community outside of school? I generally feel safer, mostly be just because nobody really pays me much mind. There are definitely situations where people stare at me, but I'm also six feet tall, 270 pounds, bright blue hair, I was about to say facial bright piercings, <laughs> like I'm emo, you know. So there's a line where I'm like, okay, they're probably not looking at me because I'm friends. They're probably looking at me because I look like a circus clown. So generally, I just try to ignore them, but there are definitely situations at my part-time job. I work at a, a bar, so there's a lot of drunk people, and there are definitely situations where drunk people just feel very comfortable telling me their opinions on the alphabet community and such and saying, you know, oh, I just don't like when people make it your whole, their whole personality. And I've had regulars tell me, you're one of the good ones because you don't make it your whole personality. And I wouldn't have known that about you had you not expressed it to me before. But then there's also, there's a lot of situations where I just feel unsafe for different reasons. There have been times where regulars have tried to start like sexual conversations with me and, oh, and you're 17. And I'm 17. Right. There was just, oh, have you gotten the surgery yet? Oh, but you've got such a good body. Why would you do that? And then there are just the regulars that just, you know, take without asking and just touch me or say things about me. And I feel like that's partially, like, the womanhood experience of, like, no matter, like, until I'm able to medically transition, at this point, I look decently feminine. I have long hair. I'm a very naturally curvy person. So... I've definitely been in situations that I know are purely woman situations just because I of the way I look and people touching me or saying things about me that are not okay to say about a child 
So it's definitely just an, a looming scariness, but at the same time, I don't think I can attribute all of that fear to being trans. I feel like there's a large portion of it that's because I am feminine and I'm AFAB, so it's definitely like, there's definitely a piece of that that's just, it's because I'm a, a woman when I'm, like I know I'm not, but right. to the world I am. so. I feel like I am in less danger because I'm trans than I am because I am was born a woman. Can you tell me about adults in your lives, whether at school or in the community, that did make you feel safe and seen and how they did that? Um, there weren't really any at the school other than my art teacher. My art teacher in ninth grade was the coolest person ever. She's super cool. and. I remember there was one situation. Give her a shout out. What's her name? Miss Austin. If you're listening, <laughs> I miss you, girl. Um, but she, she was really cool. And there was a situation with another student, who again tried to say that we were friends, say that we were really close. I was the only person he liked at the school, and then I guess found out somehow through conversation that I am trans and didn't know that and just didn't like that information. And he actually took it a very not safe for work route and was damning me very inappropriate things about just just basically fetishizing being trans. And that's a sadly common experience that a lot of trans people go through like me and trans women and non-binary people it is a very it's it's a it's a whole porn category it's a very sexualized thing so even children even people like me who are still minors have to deal with this fetishization of our mere identity and existence and so i went to her and i was like hey this kid is dming me this stuff i blocked him but i, I we sat at the same table I don't want to sit with him. I'm not asking to switch classes because this was the only class she taught and I was not willing to switch out of her class, but I just wanted to sit at a different table. And she let me sit in the back table where her seniors that come and hang out in her class every morning because they don't have a first period. They would come, they were also queer students. She was very much a safe space. And she would let me sit back there with them and it was just very accommodating because every table had like a caddy with pencils, erasers, that type of thing. And she would always bring back supplies to me or if she had another student, she would always be like, don't forget to bring it to the back table for Matthew if we were doing a group project or something. So she was just very accommodating and very kind. And she was also just a very welcoming person and she was always willing to talk to you if you needed someone to talk to or if you just needed a hug, she could be there for that. Like she was. She was great. And then there's like friends' parents. They don't usually like me, but my best friend, Audrey, Karen, if you're listening, I love you, girl. My best friend, Audrey's mom, is like my second mother. She has always made me feel so safe and so welcome in her house, in her life. I literally feel like a second child of hers. Like she has always made it like known that if people are giving me an issue, she will go to war for me. So I love her. Um, right, that night we spoke at the school board meeting, the meeting that went three and a half hours long, and Karen and Audrey came. Karen and, and Audrey the sat time. the whole time, and when I left, Audrey immediately took me to the side and was like, are you okay? And Karen was like, I'm so sorry you had to listen to that because people came and started spouting their nonsense at the school board meeting about the new sexual education thing. And she just immediately was like, are you okay? Like are you good? 
keep in mind, I was laughing the whole time. So what are some solutions that you could think of? I know you're 17, and school policy isn't exactly something um, that would be your strong suit yet, but what are some things that schools could put in place to ensure that trans students uh, feel safe? I would say an education thing, like a lot of workplaces have like HR education that's for queer people or how to accommodate for a disabled person or, you know, learning like how not to talk about to black people or things like that. Like having that type of education for teachers that's basically just like, hey, don't say dumb stuff to students because you're there's something to just having the conversation out loud like it's okay to just say lgbt out loud it's okay to say trans students out loud exactly just putting it in the world and just being like these these people exist you can't just shut us away from the world forever i feel like like i've said so many times to my mom i just feel like i've quite literally been rapunzel because of what happened to me i i don't really have a safe place to go and get a normal public education and so I don't see my friends like ever I basically just lay in my bed and log on and do school work and then continue to lay in my bed and then go to work and then come home and lay in my bed I don't have a driver's license yet so I, I literally am just trapped in my house with no where to go nothing to do it's just it's just I feel like making Trans students, like, a known thing, like, just saying, like, yo, these people exist. And also, if you're an English teacher, you should know that they, them, can be used in the singular sense. Like, oddly specific thing, but it's always been a pet peeve of mine. I'm 17, and I know that English has been used in this singular sense since the beginning of English. Elementary school, I understand that's still somewhat of a new thing, so I can kind of understand, like, being a little thrown off when a nine-year-old comes to you and is like... I'm trans, but 17, right. and I've been out since I was 13, and you're sitting here still asking me if it's a phase. Or and I would if, think it's important for teachers to remember that if a student, you know, you have the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so if a student doesn't feel safe in the educational environment, not much learning is actually happening. Their brain space is not available I for education. I can definitely say that there were situations where I would skip class to go and just not be in a classroom with a certain teacher. There were there was a point where I had a um, substitute teacher who was absolutely should not have been in a classroom. He was disrespectful. He was loud. But then he would start these classroom discussions that were, A, incredibly inappropriate. Like, it was basically just him and all of the teenage boys giggling and hee-heeing over the girls that have sent them nudes. And, like, he was looking at these nudes of minors, which is crazy. But at one point, he brought up queer people, and he's just started going on this long tangent about how... No matter what, these, these, these girls will never be men because there's a biological aspect of manliness. And he wasn't even talking about, like, chromosomes. He was just saying that you cannot, no matter how much testosterone you take, no matter how much, like, boy you put in you, you'll never have, like, man, like, caveman, like, boy, hunter <laughs> instincts, alpha male. And then when I would res- rebuke and be like, I disagree because that's stupid and dumb and not a real thing because, you know, the alpha male thing, we're not wolves, we're people, 
we also don't hunt and gather anymore. You Instacart your groceries. Like, you're not an alpha male. <laughs> no. And I would rebuke and be like, I disagree because we're not wolves. And I feel like masculinity is entirely stored in everybody's perception of masculinity. And even between biological men and people who were born male, there are different ideas of masculinity right. amongst different people. So it was always, why are you beefing with teenagers over yeah. masculinity? I am way more masculine than that guy will ever be. So what, what advice would you give trans teens who are struggling? It sounds so much easier said than done, but just stop caring. Because at a certain point, you can sit here and <clears throat> sit in your bed and just argue with people on the internet and rebuke comments and make all these posts and yell and yell and yell and yell and yell, but all you do is losing your voice. At a certain point, you just have to live your life, and if somebody isn't going to respect it, you just don't let them be in your life. If... And I understand if you have parents, that's obviously a very difficult situation to go through. And if you're in that situation, I I don't know what to say. That is like something that is so outside of my wheelhouse and I will never speak on because I'm very blessed to have supportive parents that live with me. But I think at a certain point at the end of the day, it's the same as any other issue. If you just spend all of your time thinking about how everyone else in the outside world views you, and if you are masculine enough, and if you're presenting well enough, and if you're, if you're this, and if you're that, and if your voice is deep enough, you're always going to find something wrong with yourself. There's always going to be something that isn't boy enough, or isn't girl enough, or isn't neutral enough. So at a certain point, you just have to find the things that you enjoy and enjoy them. I'm a trans man, but I love Taylor Swift. I love Mean Girls. I love Pink. I love Sanrio. I love dyeing my hair. I love painting my nails. I love wearing makeup, like, because I don't care, because none of those things are boy or girl. They're just things that people can like. Right. So last question. What is the one thing that you would tell people, people who don't know you and know nothing about transgenderism other than what they've heard in the media, what would you tell them? Stop listening to the media. <laughs> it's dumb and stupid, and they're lying to you. Um, and they have been since the dawn of time. That's, like, what media is. So just stop listening to them because they're not telling the truth. And all you're doing is hurting children, which is insane. So stop listening to the media. Every time these people bring up all of this stuff, I've done so much research on statistics, and statistically, 69% more sexual offenders are... 69, I think, is the statistic. I'm not going to say that with that much confidence. But like something around there is the statistic of sex offenders who are cisgender male and do not identify as LGBTQ, whereas, like, I think it's like 20% is people who identify as LGBT, and then, like, 5% is people who identify as trans, and I bet you of those 5%, half of them are not actually trans. They just said they were, because that's a very common thing people do. And also, um, if a person just puts on a dress for a singular day 
and like a wig and lipstick and is like I'm trans and then goes into a girl's bathroom they're probably not trans like I hate to speak on that so confidently but like there's a certain level of like it's not an easy thing to say so people don't just go around saying it people don't just walk into the girls bathroom and be like I'm a trans woman I'm allowed to be in here like it's not a thing people do right there was the case in Loudoun County here in Virginia of a student who assaulted his ex-girlfriend in the the women's but the girls bathroom in their school um and when he was confronted with it he said he was trans and then he even later backtracked that his parents backtracked that and the state still used that case as precedent to start drafting legislation about bathroom bills and transgender students in public school even after the perpetrator himself came out and said he's not trans. Well, he so sure didn't come out. The oh. initial incident um, and and him saying he was trans was just enough to confirm their pre-existing, you know, concepts about what being trans is and that trans people are predators so that even when he himself came out and backtracked and said, no, I just said that to try and get out of trouble, um, the state is still using that as precedent so because it's very frustrating. It's just, it's, it's just a thing of, like, they're going to look. Like, it, it's not going to be handed to them. They're looking. So, like, if they're looking and they see this person who has, they're going to, and I'm sure they've probably argued. I mean, I've seen some things about this case where they've definitely argued, like, oh, they think that they're trans. Like, it's clearly that they're questioning because they wouldn't have said that for any other reason. Couldn't possibly be that they just said that because they knew that it would get them out of trouble because of everybody's predisposed idea that trans people are inherently predators. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being my first guest on my podcast, and I appreciate you being so forthcoming and vulnerable in sharing your story because... That's part of the point of this podcast is to share our tough stories so that other people know, number one, that they're not alone, that this happens to other people, and number two, that you you can get past it, that there is life past it, and you can heal and find joy in your life. Have you found joy in your life? Yes. <laughs> Her name is Taylor Swift. <laughs> All right, that's it for our episode today, and we will see you here again next week.